Welcome to the podcast of Koinonia Okotoks Youth. Thank you for joining us as we study the word. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you guys this morning. Uh, and this morning, we're going to be taking a look once again at the life of Solomon. Last week, we saw David exhorting and advising Solomon to follow after God and to keep him at the center of Israel. He also informed Solomon of a few affairs of state that needed to be straightened out, right? But advised him saying, use your own wisdom in the matter. This morning, we're going to be looking at what Solomon does in regard to the advice David gave him. So if you guys have your Bibles with you, uh, if you guys could turn to 1 Kings chapter 2, we'll cover the rest of the chapter this morning. Uh, For those of you who are taking notes, I've entitled this message, The Judgments, and the sections are as follows, Adonijah, Abathar, Joab, and Shimei. We'll pray and then we will uh, dive on in. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you for your word, Lord, and everything that we can learn through it. Lord, I just pray that you... uh, Open our ears, Lord, to hear what you have to say to us through your word. Lord, help us to apply and change things where, where, where it's needed. Lord, just show us something this morning. Pray this all in your name. Amen. Okay, so first section this morning, we're going to be looking at Adonijah. It says in Second, First Kings chapter 2, verses 13 through 25, Now Adonijah, the son of Haggith, came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. So she said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. Moreover, he said, I have something to say to you. And she said, Say it. Then he said, You know that the kingdom was mine, and all Israel had had set their expectations on me that I should reign. However, the kingdom has been turned over and has become my brother's, for it was his from the Lord. Now I ask one petition of you, do not deny me. And she said to him, say it. Then he said, please speak to the king, to King Solomon, for he will not refuse you that he may give me Abishag the Shunammite as wife. So Bathsheba said, very well, I will speak for you to the king. Bathsheba therefore went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah. And the king arose to meet her and bowed down to her and sat down on his throne and had a throne set for the king's mother. So she sat at his right hand. Then she said, I desire one small petition of you. Do not refuse me. And the king said uh, said to her, Ask it, my mother, for I will not refuse you. So she said, Let Abishag the Shunammite be given to Adonijah, your brother, as wife. And King Solomon answered and said to his mother, Now why do you ask Abishag the Shunammite for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also? Or is he my old, for he is my older brother, for him and for Abathar, for the, uh, Abathar the priest, and for Joab the son of Zariah? Then King Solomon swore by the Lord, saying, May God do so to me and more also, if Adonijah has not spoken this word against his own life. 
Now therefore, as the Lord lives, who has confirmed me and set me on the throne of my of David my father, and who has established a house for me, as he promised Adonijah, uh, as he promised Adonijah shall be put to death today. So King Solomon sent sent by the hand of Benaniah the son of Jehoiada, and he struck him down, and he died. So the first thing we see here is Adonijah is back. Right? He's back on the scene and he's he has a request for Bathsheba. She starts with a very reasonable question. Do you come peaceably? Remember, Adonijah did very recently try to usurp David while David was still alive. Right? She's just being cautious. Right? There is also the fact that there is nothing mentioned here that respect was shown to the queen mother. Right? So she's just being very cautious, asking, do you come peaceably? So Adonijah then proceeds to say that he comes peaceably. And then he has a request that he would like to make of Bathsheba. She agrees to listen. Then Adonijah proceeds to say that the kingdom was his and that the nation had expectations of him. Now, Adonijah is delusional, right? He still believed that he was supposed to be king. And now he is trying to make Bathsheba feel some sort of pity for him as he brings up or before he brings up what his actual request is. Right? Adonijah had it in his mind that he had more support than he really did. He thought there were still a lot of people who were pulling for him, that were counting on him, that wanted him to be king. Remember what happened to Solomon when, when Solomon actually was crowned king. Looking back at 1 Kings 1.49, so all the guests who were with Adonijah were afraid and arose, and each one went his way. Remember, when news broke out that Solomon was king and Adonijah wasn't, supporters fled for fear that they may be killed for rebelling against the king. Now, of course, there were still a handful of people who were for Adonijah, including Joab and Abathar, but they were few and far between. Adonijah does not have support in the kingdom, right? So Adonijah, after trying to get some some sort of pity, he asks, he, he makes his request, and he asks for Abishag, David's concubine, to be given to him in marriage. I just want to state how weird that is. It's very weird. Yes, David's dead and this bond is broken, and there's also the fact that David never knew her or went into her, meaning she they never slept together. But it's still a really weird request. And my question is, why would Adonijah make this request? For Adonijah was royalty, and Abishag was a maidservant. It's not like some... Uh, star-crossed lover type thing where he saw her across the room and just fell madly in love with her 
that doesn't make sense for Adonijah. There's got to be some reason to this request. Right? There's more to this request than meets the eye. Right? There's more than Ab- Adonijah just wanting Abishag to be his wife. This is very much a political move. Adonijah is trying to make a claim for the throne in a very similar way to what Absalom did during his rebellion when he brought to himself David's concubines. Right? It's, uh, there's a story about that in 2 Samuel 16, uh, but for sake of time, uh, we're not going to go through and read it all. Right, But Absalom went in and publicly went into the concubines for all of Israel to see. So he's trying to make a claim for the throne. He's trying to put his name in the hat ever so slightly. Right, This is not an innocent request to have Abishag. Adonijah is proving here that he is not content with the station in life that he has been given. Right, so my question is, are we content with what we have? Are we content where we're placed with our station in life? Right, I can tell you, honestly, I'm not always content with my job. I'm not always content with where I live, right, specifically with where I live. I feel like there's always problems. I'm not content always. Right, but we must accept that God is sovereign. We must accept that he has reasons for what he does. Where we are, there is a reason, right? So, Adonijah is just proving that he's not content. The mercy that he was been that he has been shown is not enough for him. So Bathsheba now brings this request to Solomon, and Solomon, being the wise man that he is, sees right through it. He knows that this is no small petition, as Bathsheba put it. Solomon sees this as a power grab, right? He sees this as a violation of the one condition he gave Adonijah after showing him mercy. He asks, what next? The kingdom? Abathar? Joab? Who are, what are you going to ask next, Bathsheba? Who, what petition are you going to bring before me? Right? So Solomon is a man of his word. And he issues the command that Adonijah is to be put to death. Remember the state remember the uh, condition that he stated in 1 Kings 152. If he proves himself a wor- proves himself a worthy man, not one hair of him shall fall to the earth. But if wickedness is found in him, he shall die. Solomon proved himself to be just, to be wise, and to be ready to do what needed to be done. Right? Adonijah overstepped his bounds. He he crossed the line, and now he's dead. And moving on, we'll look at the second judgment that he shall pass this morning as we look at what awaits Abathar. It says in verses 26 through 27, And to Abathar the priest, the king said, Go to Ananoth, to your own fields, 
for you are deserving of death, but I will not put you to death at this time, because you carried the ark of the Lord God before my father David, and because you were afflicted every time my father was afflicted. So Solomon removed Abathar from being priest to the Lord, that he might fulfill the word of the Lord, which he spoke concerning the house of Eli and Shiloh. So Adonijah is now out of the picture. He's gone. He's dead. He's executed. Right? And now we look, Solomon is now directing his attention towards his prominent supporters, the ones who are still left standing and not dispersed. Starting with Abathar. Right? We see that Solomon is choosing here to show mercy. He tells him to go to Ananoth, to his own field. He's deserving of death. He won't get it at this time. Because he was faithful to David, he carried the ark of the Lord, and he was afflicted every single time David was afflicted. So now Abathar, he deserves to die. right? Because he willingly rebelled against David by supporting Adonijah. Right? And if you take a look at those who supported Adonijah, there were most definitely some who did not realize they were rebelling. Right? We already saw that they dispersed the moment Solomon was named king. Abathar was not one of those who didn't realize what he was doing, though. He willingly chose Adonijah. And in doing so, he was committing treason against King David and against God. But Solomon, he once again chooses mercy. Because he's not just looking at the one instance in his life that he failed. Right? He chooses mercy because Abathar once stood with his father in every affliction. Abathar was one of the only priests to escape the wrath of Saul. Just look at 1 Samuel chapter 22, starting in verse 11, moving all the way through to verse 23. It says, So the king sent to call Amalek the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all the priests, all the father's house, the priests who were in Nob, and they all came to the king. And Saul said, Here now, son of Ahitub, he answered, Here I am, my lord. Then Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and the sons of Jesse, in that you have given him bread and a sword and inquired of God for him, and that he should rise against me to lie in wait as it is this day? So Amalek answered the king and said, and who among all your servants is a faithful as as faithful as David, who is the king's son-in-law, who goes at your bidding and is honorable in your house? Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Far be it from me, let not the king impute anything to his servant or to any in the house of my father. For your servant knew nothing of all this, little or much, and the king said, You shall surely die, Amalek, you and all your father's house. Then the king said to the guards who stood about him, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because their hand also is with David, and they be and because they knew 
when he fled and did not tell it to me. But the servants of the king would not lift their hands to strike the priests of the Lord. And the king said to Doag, You turn and kill the priests. So Doag the Edomite turned and struck the priests and killed on that day eighty-five men who wore the linen ephod. Also Nob, the city of the priests, he struck with the edge of the sword both men and women, children and nursing infants, oxen, donkeys, and sheep, with all with the edge of the sword. Now one of the sons of Amalek, the son of Ahitub, named Abathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abathar told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priests. So David said to Abathar, I knew that day when Doag the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me, do not fear, for he who seeks my life seeks your life, but with me you shall be safe. So, Abathar, he was made one of the priests with Zadok, after faithfully serving David in the years while he was on the run. Right, And he's one, he is the only priest that survived the massacre of Saul. Right? Solomon here shows mercy for the reason, for that very reason of him being faithful to David, and he did not kill him. Now, that does not mean that Abathar was free and clear. He was exiled to live on his own land. Now, it doesn't mention anywhere that there's a, a, a clause there that if he leaves, he's dead. But he's exiled. And it's right to assume if he leaves, he's dead. Right? So, in removing Abathar's, Abathar from priesthood, Solomon also fulfilled the prophecy that, Eli, that the house of Eli shall face judgment. Now, if you're curious about it, I can't go into detail about it right now because time restraints. Uh, but there's, if you're curious to read about the prophecies about Eli's house facing judgment, they are found in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Verses 27 through 36, and 1 Samuel 3, 11 through 14. Right? So once again here, we see that there's a time to show mercy. And moving on, we'll see that there's a time to, to face judgment. There's a time for judgment and not to show mercy as we look at what happens to Joab. Looking at... Uh, 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 28 through 35, it says, The news came to Joab, for Joab had defected to Adonijah, though he had not defected to Absalom. So Joab fled to the tabernacle of the Lord and took hold of the horns of the altar. And King Solomon was told, Joab has fled to the tabernacle of the Lord. There he is by the altar. Then Solomon sent, jo- sent Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, saying, Go strike him down. So Benaniah went to the tabernacle of the Lord and said to him, Thus says the king, Come out. Uh, Come out. And he said, No, but I will die here. And Benaniah brought back word to the king, saying, Thus says, said Joab. And he answered him. Then the king said to him, Do as he said, and strike him down and bury him that you may take away from me and from the house of my father the innocent blood which Joab shed. 
So the Lord will return his blood to his own on his own head, because he struck down two men more righteous and better than he, and he killed them with the sword. Abner the son of Ner, the commander of the army of Israel, and Amasa the son of Jether, the commander of the army of Judah, though my father did not know it. Their blood shall therefore return upon his head and Joab, uh, and of Joab and upon the head of his descendants forever, but upon David and his descendants, upon his house and his throne, there shall be peace forever from the Lord. So Benaniah the son of Jehoiada went up and struck and killed him, and he be and he was buried in his house in the wilderness. The king put Benaniah the son of Jehoiada in the place over the army, and the king put Zadok the priest in the place of Abathar. So we start here with the news that Joab defected to Adonijah, and with Joab now on the run. We see him running in a similar way that Adonijah was on the run. Just like Adonijah, he decided to claim sanctuary at the temple. Right Now, the thing is, he was most definitely not guiltless, and he was most definitely guilty of murder. So, it doesn't do him much good to go there, but, you know, he can try. Remember last week when David... Uh, David advised Solomon to deal with Joab, right? And he said that he had killed two commanders in Israel in peacetime. Now, he was not worthy to claim sanctuary. So when Solomon heard that Joab was holding onto the horns of the altar, he sent Benaniah to bring him down and to kill him. Now, it is very interesting that Joab decided to follow after Adonijah and go to the altar. Spurgeon explains it perfectly, saying, He did not know where to fly, except he fled to the horns of the altar, which he had very seldom approached before. As far as we can judge, he had shown no he had shown little respect for religion during his lifetime. He was a rough man of war and cared little enough about God, or the tabernacle, or the priests, or the altar. But when he was in danger, he fled to that which he had avoided and sought to make refuge of that which he had neglected. Joab was by no means a religious man, yet when life was in danger, he ran to that which he neglected. Now we see this very same thing happen in the world today. We have see so many people who have that same outlook as Joab. They never cared for a relationship with God. But when they were in desperate need, they ran to the idea of God. Now, what I mean by this is we see people who live in direct disobedience to God. Yet when problems arise, they think it will all just go away if I just pray, if I just go to church and, and sit through a Sunday service. I never cared about God, but church seems like the right place to be. I don't want a relationship. I just want to be at the church. It's going to save my life. Right? Joab wasn't surrendered to God, and he was trying to save his own skin. Right? We see that Joab's plan it doesn't go exactly how he thought it would. Instead of being shown mercy, he is now facing death. Joab refused to leave, thinking, they won't kill me here. But guess what? 
Solomon tells Benaniah to strike him where he stands. So I guess they will kill him there. Joab deserved death. And that's what he got. He had innocent blood on his hands. And Solomon, he acted according to the law. He followed after God. He took the advice of David and did not let him go to the ground in peace. And quickly after that, we see that Solomon replaces Joab with Benaniah, as well as replacing Abathar with Zadok. Now, guys, I want you guys to, to get this. We shouldn't just be looking for God when trouble comes. We need to always be looking to God. Right? We see so many people out there who, who will never pray to God. They'll never seek God when times are good. But when times are bad, that's all they do. Right? We need to be finding that medium. It's not just always praising. It's not, it's not always praying and, and seeking God in the hard times, but it's also praying and seeking God in the good times. Right? It's, it's praising God in the valley and the mountaintops. Right? We can't just face it, go through the valley and pray, and then as soon as we get to the mountaintops, it's like, yeah, we're fine. Right? Don't look for God when trouble comes. Always be looking for God. Okay? So moving on here to the last and uh, final, the final section of this chapter, it says in verses 36 through 46, Then the king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, Build yourself a house in Jerusalem and dwell there, and do not go out from there anywhere. For it shall be on the day you go out and cross the brook Kidron, know for certain you shall surely die. Your blood shall be on your own head. And Shimei said to the king, The saying is good. As my lord the king has said, so your servant will do. So Shimei dwelt in Jerusalem many days. Now it happened at the end of three years that two slaves of Shimei ran away to Akish the son of Makkah, king of Gath. And they told Shimei, saying, Look, your slaves are in Gath. So Shimei arose, saddled his donkey, and went to Akish at Gath to seek his slaves. And Shimei went and brought his slaves from Gath. And Solomon was told that Shimei had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and had come back. Then the king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, Did I not make you swear by the Lord and and warn you, saying, Know for certain that on the day you go out from and travel anywhere, you shall surely die? And you said to me, The word I have heard is good. Why then have you not kept the oath of the Lord and commandment that I gave you? And the king said moreover to Shimei, you know, as your heart acknowledges all the wickedness that you did to my father David, therefore the Lord will return your wickedness on your own head. But the king, but king Solomon shall be blessed, and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. So the king commanded Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, and went out and struck him down. And he died. Thus the king, kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. So, we finally come to the last of the four judgments this morning. We see Solomon deals with Shimei. Shimei is told here to build a house in Jerusalem and dwell there for the rest of his life. 
He also has a stipulation that he is never to cross the brook Kidron, which is on the eastern part of Israel, right outside the wall, the modern day wall. Uh, and if he does cross that, that's the stipulation, he'll die. So in a sense, he's being put under house arrest, just instead of being confined to a house for the rest of his life, he's being confined to a city, right? Solomon is putting his own life, putting putting Shimei's own life into his own hands. Remember that this is the punishment Shimei gets for cursing David, not just cursing him like in the corner of a room without anybody hearing him or somebody maybe overhearing him like he cursed him with malicious curses when david was fleeing and then begged for mercy later on right david has also advised solomon to bring him down to the grave with blood right we've already seen how solomon followed the advice of david in regard to joab and now we see him here using his own wisdom and giving Shimei a choice. It is up to Shimei whether he, uh, whether or not he will go down to the grave with blood. Shimei responds to the judgment graciously. Right? He knows that Solomon was being merciful and generous to him. He says, the saying is good. As my lord the king has said, so your servant will do. Shimei listens to what Solomon commands and follows it, right? And we see that he lived in Jerusalem for many days. Now, and just want to point this out. We already know how Shimei is not a consistent person, right? He likes to change his mind depending on changing circumstances, right? For example, we saw that he took the opportunity to curse David when he was fleeing, then beg for mercy when he returned to power. Here, he seems to have been living in a very desirable place, right? He had slaves. He was he had a whole city to live in. It's not like he was being confined to a little hut, right? He he was just the only thing was he was not allowed to leave Jerusalem, right? So he lived in comfort. We see that it is at the three-year mark that the changing circumstances come into play, right? Two of his servants, or slaves, escape and flee to Gath, and he decides to go after them. Now, I don't pretend to know what he's thinking here, but he was leaving a promised safety to go and retrieve two slaves, of course, this news comes back to Solomon, because it's very likely that he's keeping tabs on Shimei. Why, why would he make a like a covenant with him if he wasn't going to follow up with it, right? So Solomon asks, "Did I not make you swear that on this on the day you leave Jerusalem that you will die?" Now I don't believe that Shimei was willingly breaking the covenant with Solomon. Right? Because for the for the one reason that he came back. He knew he was going to die, yet he came back. That's a, another thing, right? Whether it's forgetfulness, maybe neglect, I don't know what. 
But whatever the case was, he broke an oath with God. And now, all this wickedness that he had done is being counted back to him, and he was executed. We see that Solomon's kingdom is established. Solomon did what needed to be done. He kept his word. He was a man of his word. And he secured the kingdom at the beginning from all potential threats. Which, first off, is a lot better than anything David or Saul did right away. So in conclusion this morning, we saw Solomon deal with four people, right? Those were Adonijah, Abathar, Joab, and Shimei. All four were dealt with differently. All four had different uh, punishments. And Solomon showed wisdom in how to deal with each one. Right, we looked at Adonijah, who was trying to sneakily put his name back into the hat. The mercy that he was shown wasn't enough. He wanted more. He wasn't satisfied. Are we satisfied with where God has us? Or do we want more? We also looked at Abathar, who was exiled to his own land and not killed. Because of all that he had been through with David, Solomon showed once again that there was a time for mercy. He looked at he, he looked at everything that he did and didn't count one mistake to a lifetime of servitude to his father and showed him mercy. Right? Joab was the third one. He tried to take hold of the altar. And he found himself ineligible. He had too much blood on his hands. Too much innocent blood on his hands. And it was all counted back to him. He was not a religious man. But in time of peril, he turned to religion. Or to the idea of religion just to save his own skin. He was unrepentant of what he had done. He just wanted to live. And lastly, we saw, saw Shimmy. He was shown mercy and given a safe place, being placed under city arrest. And he neglected the covenant and was executed. He took his own safety and left it. Solomon gave him a chance and he broke it. Guys, we can learn from each one of these. And what we can see is that Solomon established his kingdom. And his kingdom was rock solid at the beginning. Whether it stays that way or not, we're going to soon find out. But he had removed every potential threat. Solomon so far has started off well. But as we go on, we'll see if that can stick around. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for everything that you taught us. Lord, I just pray that we'll keep it in mind uh, 
that we need to show mercy, there is a time to show it. Uh, also, Lord, that we need to be content with where you have placed us, knowing that there's a reason, and if we don't know the reason, we need to seek it out. Lord, just be content with what you are giving us. Uh, and also, Lord, that we shouldn't be just turning to you in times of trouble, but we should be turning you and turning to you and praising you in times of great joy, in times of in good in good times. Lord, and also help us to keep the covenants we can, we make with you. Help us to keep our promises. Lord, just help us to really seek you. Lord, I pray this all in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or concerns, we would love to get your feedback. You can message us on our Instagram or our Facebook page.